0: it in it bow bow yo it's sam i'm back it's the sports podcast I'm, I'm here you're here it's good for all of us to be back here chatting about sports i love it do you <laughs> so i've been talking a lot about football the last couple of podcasts as many of you people have been listening i'm going to change it up a little bit my other sport that i have a deep passion and love for is the nba it's basketball it's fast-paced it's fantastic i'm a beautiful longtime fan of basketball and with football coming to a close, as much as I get excited and driven about the football season, it comes to a close, and it's over, and then it's gone for months, but basketball will be here, and it will be here to stay. And basketball, unlike football, is a free-flowing, fast-moving game that goes on, in a way, kind of forever, just like baseball and hockey. Uh, football, as we know, there's very few games, so I did a breakdown of the, NFC, uh, the NFL Divisional games. Um, it's exciting. I'm driven. I'm, I'm I'm psyched up. It's Thursday, but the truth is the games aren't until Saturday or Sunday, and football, part of the football you know, environment is that you have to sit there and kind of talk about it for days. The best part about football is that it's an event. It comes up once a week. It's an exciting thing that you build up to, and everything's all kind of riding on that one game or that one play or that one thing. There's not a lot of room for error. Well, NBA, you know, this you know i already talked about my nfl nba we got games every day we've got storylines we've got drama there's a lot more room for error so to speak you can have a terrible day if you're lebron james and come back in and play another game the next night and really uh, you know make a difference and win the game and all of a sudden everything's forgotten and it just becomes part of this long dramatic storyline of the season so um, let's take today there's of course i love my philadelphia 76ers they have become uh, a pariah in the league. They are definitely an embarrassment. They're the product of tanking. Uh, many owners in the league have, you know, been aggravated and frustrated by how they've been handling the season in the last couple of seasons. Me as a Sixers fan, uh, I went from believing and having faith to being irate and just disple- displeased with the status of the team. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about the hiring of Jerry Colangelo. I feel good that they're actually, you know, reaching up and saying, Hey, listen, Houston, we have a problem. We need some help here. Uh, You know, as a fan for a long time to be going to these games and to see such a poor product on the court, listen, all of this made sense in theory a few years ago. And now it's, it's just stinging as I watch the team and see how absolutely God awful bad they are. Uh, But before we dig into the Sixers and, and really what's going on with them, I want to take a real opportunity on, a, on another show to focus on the Sixers. I want to give an overview of the league right now, just to give anybody who's been loosely watching NBA, whether you're an avid fan or completely on the exterior, if you have any interest at all or um, you care about basketball, maybe you only get in on the playoffs, maybe you like to just tune in here and there, maybe you have one team who occasionally you'll go to the game with uh, and see. Uh, let's just give you a picture of what's going on. Because truthfully myself, I just have a picture of what's going on. I've been watching a few games here and there. I know a few storylines that are going on here and there. I'm not Zach Lowe. I'm not Brian Windhorst. I'm not a professional who's in the locker rooms making interviews and talking to these guys. I'm just a a fan who will become even more energized once football season ends. So a couple of storylines to tell with this um, basketball season. Uh, the most notable ones are the ones that everybody knows about. Number one being the Golden State Warriors. They started off the season when, uh, breaking the record for um, the most wins to open a season. Uh, it was pretty exciting. Um, currently, the Warriors are still at the top of the league with a record of on Thursday. Today, they are 36-3. and Oh, they lost a game? Oh, my God. They must have lost the game last night. Here, I'm going to go check the scores right now. Let me check the scores. Here, I'm I'm, I'm the professional talking about basketball. I don't even know if the Warriors won last night. Yeah, I have a... Nope, nope. They dropped a game to the Denver Nuggets by two points. Stephen Curry had 38 points, nine assists, five rebounds, but wasn't enough. Who were they missing? Let's look at the game. What happened? What happened? Did you watch the Denver-Golden State game last night? I didn't. Um, Who went through here? Oh, yeah. No, it looks like they just... Finally lost a game. You can't win every single one of these games, and they lost Danilo Gallinari. Big game for Gallinari. And it looks like Gary Harris. I see, I don't even know who Gary Harris is for Denver, but he played 29 minutes and had 19 points. Will Barton, he's a guy that uh, I think has been really turning heads in Denver as well. Uh, anyway, back to Golden State. Golden State uh, has been taking the league by storm. I think last year when everybody saw them come out, it was very exciting to see how brilliant they played and to see Stephen Curry win the MVP. I mean, they were a juggernaut last year that kind of came out guns blazing. And I think we were expecting a good team. I don't think we were expecting one of the greatest teams in the history of basketball. And that's what we got last year with the Golden State Warriors. And their encore this year is not disappointing whatsoever. They are coming out. Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. For those of you who are not fully locked into what the Warriors have been doing, I think you need to understand Draymond Green. And now that I speak about Draymond Green, he didn't play last night. That would be a big reason why the Golden State Warriors didn't win their game. Draymond Green is this sneaky 3-4 power forward who can shoot the ball, who can play defense. He's he's kind of an everything, and many of these Specialist commentators are talking a lot now about how the future of the game is changing. They're moving into a world of power forwards and fours. You know, they're, they're like for those of you who don't know, the point guard's the one, shooting guards the two, small forwards the three, power forwards the four, and the center's the five. Okay, so the fives, the centers, the huge Shaquille O'Neals, the Hakeem Olajuwans, the Kareem Abdul jabbars these eight feet tall big guys who just sit down in the post and bang against guys. You know, post up, back down, get offensive rebounds, uh, 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 smash the glasses. These guys are becoming, I don't want to say obsolete, but they're slowly moving away from the forefront of how the NBA is being played. They're moving more into an era of Dirk Nowitzki's uh, seven, Chris Stapps Porzingis's, these seven feet tall large guys who can move and who can shoot the ball and are able to also get back on defense. They're starting to see now. I read an article recently. I think it was Zach Lowe who was commenting about how the offensive rebounding is not being stressed that much. They're stressing more on transition defense. If you force the other team that's going back down the court to get Uh, to really fight and not get those transition buckets, all of a sudden you slow the game down a little bit more and you get better defensively and you're not too worried about actually trying to crash the glass and get the offensive rebound. Um, So you're seeing this kind of new NBA blossom with the Warriors. The Warriors are almost a step ahead of everybody else. Um, They still have a big five. They still have a center in Andrew Bogut. However, what you noticed in last year's playoffs when they won the championship and even this year, you're seeing Bogut become a specific player. He's a sub in at certain times when you need him against certain matchups. He's matchup uh, dependent. And when the matchup isn't there, they'll sit him and they'll go to small ball. Uh, So Golden State has really been blowing everybody away with their game play. Uh, Like I said, this season has not disappointed whatsoever. Um, They're exciting to watch. They're a show every single night. And at this point, I think everyone is feeling like they are geared up to win again, to go right back to the finals and to take this all over again. That's how well they're playing right now. They've got the youth, they've got the players, they've got the contracts. I mean, they're in the best position right now to take it all. One of the things we have to bring up, though, is like the Golden State Warriors, there's one other team in the Western Conference that is also thoroughly standing out and playing one of the best seasons that they've ever had, ever. And it is the timeless timeless San Antonio Spurs. In this Tim Duncan era, which has roughly spanned 15 to 20 years, they've managed to be one of the best teams to ever grace the court ever. San Antonio is 34 and six right now. And as good as the Golden State Warriors have been, as amazing and as, as flashy as they've been, as much as they've been in the news, the San Antonio Spurs in their typical quiet manner, have just been dominating. They've been playing just as well. They play a very different kind of basketball. They play the Greg Popovich half-court basketball where they press. They've got uh, Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge are now playing like a, a force to be reckoned with. The Tim Duncans, the Tony Parkers, all of these pieces are still there, but they are slowly passing the torch to the Kawhi Leonard and now the LaMarcus Aldridge, and the Spurs just haven't missed a beat. I want to sit here right now and look five, ten years ahead and shed a single tear for the day when Popovich and Duncan and Ginobili and Parker and all these guys are not on the Spurs because I'm going to look back and I'm going to say, wow, that was some of the greatest team basketball we have ever seen, and it may never come again, but right now we get to see it. So anytime the Warriors and the Spurs are on TV, take a look and you will see how basketball should be played in the modern era. Now, we've discussed these two teams. Let's keep going down um, the Western Conference a little bit. Let's keep ripping apart the Western Conference, and I'd like to go division by division. So the Golden State Warriors are are certainly uh, the tops of their division. The only other team in their division that really is holding a candle to them is the Clippers. The Clippers have had some ups and downs themselves. They've signed some players that have worked out and haven't worked out. Josh Smith and Lance Stevenson, Two relatively big name players. These are guys who are are names, household names. Lance Stevenson is trying to recapture the greatness he had with the Pacers uh, from two and two, three years ago and forget that atrocious season he had with the Bobcats last year. Um, but what you're seeing is these other players are coming in. The Cole Aldridges are coming in, and you know, these these additional guys who are now getting minutes on the Clippers are producing. Um, Paul Pierce is playing uh, great minutes, and as always, J.J. Reddick, Jamal Crawford. Uh, the One of the interesting stories that's going on right now is that the Clippers are on a 10-game winning streak, which they've done all without Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin got hurt, and he's been missing some games, and what you're seeing is these other players are getting time, getting minutes, and they're able to play some meaningful minutes and get um, some good basketball coming out of them. However, Clippers have still not gotten past the second round of the playoffs. It's hard to forget that the Clippers had a a collapse for the ages last year when they lost in the playoffs to the Houston Rockets after being up three games to one. But Clippers have been amazing. They've got Chris Paul. They've got Chris Paul, all of these great DeAndre Jordan, all of these great pieces are still there. They're still in the mix and they're still dangerous. However, the Warriors and the Clippers are really the only teams in that division that are even looking at the playoffs or scaring anybody. Sacramento Kings are 15 and 23. They've got some excitement going on. I think they're a franchise that's just trying to—they're trying to find themselves. Uh, Vivek, the new owner, who's owned the team for a couple of years now, is trying to figure out what it means to. I think, find the, you know, the good, you know, lore good players and keep them there and try to make chemistry work because they've been trying to make the DeMarcus Cousins situation work with multiple different coaches and multiple different teams, and it just hasn't worked. And every, every year they're trying again and again and again. They've got Rondo now, who I think has been a decent fit for that team. He's leading the league in assists, which is what you want Rondo to do. That's, I think, his strong suit. Um, I haven't heard much about the George Carl, DeMarcus Cousins rift, the coach of the team and the star of the team, but... There's still turmoil there. However, there's been more optimism this season than I think there has the last couple of seasons. But still, I don't think Sacramento's making the playoffs. The Phoenix Suns, I just listened to a whole podcast with Brian Windhorst and uh, Zach Lowe discussing the problems that the Suns have. Um, trading away, you know, getting in the logjam of point guards there and then losing all of them. Moving Goran Dragic, uh, moving Isaiah Thomas after you just picked him up. Brandon Knight not particularly working out very well there. Uh, Eric Bledsoe now being out indefinitely, and it's looking like he might have some chronic knee problems. Uh, they signed Tyson Chandler this year to big money, and Tyson Chandler this season all of a sudden looks over the hill. So Phoenix has quickly fallen apart. Uh, they got off the beginning of the season kind of well, but they're now 13-27. and 27. It's looking bad. Jeff Hornacek, the coach, has pretty much kind of lost the team. He's had a blow-up with Markeith Morris. If any of you guys don't know about the Morris Twins, Uh, twin brothers who were both playing on the Phoenix Suns, Markeith and Marcus. They were both playing together. Not only are they twins and they're both decent players, but they're also kind of head cases. Um, They both got, I think they got into some type of criminal situation where they beat somebody up and they were getting charged with assault. Uh, They negotiated their contracts together so they could both be on the Phoenix Suns only to then find out that the Phoenix Suns traded Uh, Marcus to the Detroit Pistons so now Markeef is still in Phoenix and he's pissed off that his brother got traded Uh, the situation has just become toxic Uh, they fired they didn't fire Jeff Hornacek the head coach but they fired two of his key assistants Uh, I mean it's a little ugly right now and I think Phoenix is trying to figure out a way to just get through the season not to mention the owner made some embarrassing comments recently that are you know, everything about Phoenix is a bit of a mess this year. And needless to say, I don't think they're making the playoffs. The Los Angeles Lakers, it's been the Kobe farewell tour. The team is bad. They're 9-31. and They're not going anywhere. I saw the game in Philadelphia. I went there with my dad uh, in Philadelphia against the Lakers. It was the first game after Kobe announced the retirement. It was a beautiful farewell tour. But my Sixers, who are terrible, God-awful terrible, these guys are bad. These guys are bad, I'm telling you. They beat the Los Angeles Lakers that night and they beat the Lakers when they were, when uh, the Sixers were losing by about 10 points going into the half. So it gives you a sense about the problems that the Lakers have. Um, From a PR perspective, it's a farewell to Kobe. Um, That's, I don't think Pyron Scott is doing a particularly good job coaching the team. I don't know why they've been fielding these veteran players. Like they've got meta world peace on the floor. They've got Lou Williams on the floor. They've got Brandon Bass. These are great players. However, a lot of the commentary now is why aren't you giving the D'Angelo Russell, the Julius Randle, the younger guys minutes on the court to get, you know, to get their feet wet and to start growing up? Why are you spending all of this time, um, you know, trying to s- convince yourselves that maybe this is a playoff team. And I listened to this podcast today and windhorse and, and low made a very, very good point. They really talked about how the beginning of the season there felt like there was a real chance that this team could make the playoffs. And it was only really, and once Kobe kind of took, digested the fact that he wasn't going to make the playoffs and that he's bad and his career's over. And this is really his farewell. He made that, you know, he posted that poem. Did anybody read that poem? I mean, my God, Kobe must be a real eccentric if that's what he's, if that's how he's announcing his retirement, just get on a press conference stage with a microphone and be like, ah, it's done. Everybody get your tickets. I'm coming to town. It's going to be over. But he didn't do that. He read a poem. Uh, You know, I I can't give it my all anymore and blah, 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 blah. So now it's just become the farewell tour. It's really a send off to Kobe. It's beautiful, but the Lakers aren't going to make any noise this year. And I'm hoping that they're not too bad because if their pick, uh, they get there's a pick that I believe the Sixers get. I think it's top three protected. So if the Lakers get picks one through three, they keep it. But uh, if it's outside the top three, the Sixers get it. I'm not really sure where the protection is now, but – you know it does sort of behoove the Sixers if the Lakers are bad, but not too bad um, so that gives you a sense of that division. Let's look at uh the Spurs division then because the Spurs division is is still fairly competitive. The Spurs are ahead at thirty four and six. The Dallas Mavericks are the team that's the closest to them they're twenty two and eighteen. The Mavericks are um, twelve games behind the Spurs so I don't know if they're right up on them, but then you've got the Memphis Grizzlies at 21 and 19 and the Houston Rockets at 21 and 19. So the the Mavericks, the Grizzlies and the Rockets are all kind of mired in it at at around 500 right now. The Rockets, the storyline with them is they fired Kevin McHale very early in the season after going to the Western Conference Finals last year. So they get rid of Kevin McHale. J.B. Bickerstaff kind of turns the team around. Uh, there's clearly been some issues, I think, with James Harden, uh, uh, his ability to kind of get the team to play strong on defense. They've got some problems going on. And Dwight Howard, I think, is is aging, and, and that's part of what you're seeing. Uh, the Mavericks, um, I know they have Wesley Matthews. I know Dirk, his minutes are being managed by Rick Carlisle. Um, I know that Chandler Parsons is now coming back and starting to play some more meaningful minutes. Uh, They brought in Zaza Zaza Pachulia, the big white guy, to kind of fill in that role for DeAndre Hopkins after he jilted them in the offseason. And Zaza has played good minutes in some regards. He's almost been playing the same type of contributing minutes as DeAndre Hopkins would have for a lot cheaper money. Um, However, there's still kind of in the middle with everyone else. Memphis is doing the same thing they've always done. They're doing the Zach Randolph, Mark Gasol show. They've got, you know, Jeff Green out there and Mike Conley and, and, and Tony Allen. It's the same thing that you always remember. They're going to they're gonna be in the midst of it. They're probably going to get in at a six or a seven, and they're going to be dangerous as soon as they get in the playoffs because anytime Randolph and Mark Gasol are together, those guys are dangerous. You can't count them out. However, I don't know if they did any big changes That's going to make them stick out this season. That's really going to give you a sense that they're going to be put over the top and beat a team like the Warriors or beat a team like the Spurs. So the Grizzlies, once again, I think a promising season, but, you know, room for growth that is only going to happen when the Randolph-Marcusaw era ends and they start figuring out a way to rebuild. Um, The other team in the division is the New Orleans Pelicans. This is an interesting story here because they squeaked in as the eight seed last year in the playoffs and they made some noise. They did make some noise against the Warriors. They did lose. However, Anthony Davis is a fantastic basketball player and he's being touted as one of the next MVP candidates. This guy is fantastic. He's a carry your whole team. He's a Tim Duncan. He's an everything. He's a big man. He's got all of these skills, but the Pelicans started off the season terrible and they've continued to be terrible. And I think you're seeing problems with the roster. You're seeing issues with Ryan Anderson's a fantastic player, but they're talking about trading him. Drew Holiday is a great player, but he's had injury issues. Um, who the hell else do you have on the Pelicans to talk about? Uh, Omer Ashik, another big guy who's kind of coming in and, and playing minutes, but it, it slows your team down. When you put Ashik, this big seven-footer, in with Anthony Davis, you know, you're kind of clogging the lane. You're slowing this team down. And so... They've had problems all year. They're 12 and 26. It's been a disappointing season. I don't think they're going to turn it around. Um, I think that this is a this is going to be a season that's a true disappointment for New Orleans. And uh, with any, they're probably going to be looking at some front office changes. Um, Who the hell's their coach? I know they fired Monty Williams. Who's the new coach in, in New Orleans? Anyway, Pelicans head coach. Sorry, I'm doing this. I just I'm curious now because I'm like, who the hell's coaching the team? Oh, Alvin Gentry. Alvin Gentry is the new coach of the Pelicans, and right, I, it, it's not looking good. It's 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 coming out and it's looking bad. Um, so let's go to the last division and really the third team in the Western Conference, which is worth talking about, which I haven't mentioned yet, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Kevin Durant's back. Russell Westbrook's back. Serge Ibaka's back. This team is 28 and 12. They don't have the you know, stellar record that you're seeing the Spurs and the Warriors have, but my God, they're a hell of a team, and they are dangerous no matter how you slice it. And I want to quote, quote Zach Lowe one more time. This guy says again and again and again and again, he says the Thunder have never won, a, they've never lost a playoff series when all of their stars are healthy because he's saying every time they've gone into a playoff series, someone's been hurt. Last year it was Durant. Uh, well, last year they missed the playoffs, but last year it was Durant. Um, Russell Westbrook played like an MVP player, which gives you a sense of the fact that Durant's a former MVP. Russell Westbrook was an MVP finalist last year. They've essentially got two MVP caliber players on their team. All right. They're dangerous. There was also the year where they went deep in the playoffs and um, Russell Westbrook uh, got injured when Patrick Beverly hurt his knee and he couldn't play for the rest of the play. I think that was the year after they went to the finals was a 2012-2013 season. Uh, And then there was the season that Serge Ibaka got hurt in the playoffs, and he had to come back and play some games later, but that was the difference maker when he missed those first couple of games. They lost those games. They ended up losing the series. I think that was against the Spurs um, when the Spurs won the title the second year against the Heat. I think it was the 13-14 season. Um, But they've they've had injury issues, but there's so many good things about this team, and they've won to a degree in spite of, Of the coach that they've had, they brought, they fired Scott Brooks and they brought in Billy Donovan. And this has also happened with the Chicago Bulls, bringing in Fred Hoiberg, the discussion of bringing in these college coaches and seeing some growing pains happen when the coach goes from the college environment to the NBA environment. And there were real moments where you're sitting here saying, why are Durant and Westbrook both on the bench? These are two of the greatest players in the league. you got to at least have one of them out there at all times. And if the, one of them's not out there, have them both out there. But to have them both on the bench and to have a thorough bench team come out with Dion Waiters and Steven Adams, you're going to lose a step. And they're still seeing some growing pains there. However, at 28-12 and 12, and with two of the best players in the league, it gives you a sense that this team is still able to be competitive and dominant and, and, cause some, and make some waves uh, in the Western Conference. And they're, they're really in it. They're the only other team that's kind of anywhere close to the Warriors and the Spurs. The rest of their division is pretty bad. The Utah Jazz is 17-21. Um, they've, they've had injuries this season. They don't really have any stellar players. You know, they've got Gordon Haywood. They, they, Gordon Haywood, um, I think a few, I don't think it's Alec Burks, but Trey Burks is, is, like, some of these guys that they have on their team, they're discovering that, they're not really panning out as well as they had hoped, and they've got some problems. I don't fully know everything about Utah. I haven't been watching the Jazz that closely, but I know that they're, they're not in the mix right now. The Trailblazers are 17-24. Now, I know why this is happening. LaMarcus Aldridge left the team. He left the team. This is one of the best players on your team, and he left. Uh, so now they're playing, you know, they traded away Batum. Aldridge is gone. What you're seeing is a lot of Damian Lillard. Uh, you're seeing a lot of, um, I think it's uh, CJ McCollum is playing a lot now and they're finding out he's actually a hell of a basketball player and he can really, uh, you know, I think he's the second leading scorer on the team. Myers Leonard, this big kind of white guy is, is uh, they're finding out he's a pretty valuable player as well, but it's not equating to a team that's any better um, than a 500 team. And they're, they're, they're going to go back into the the draft lottery this year. Um, The Denver Nuggets 15 and 24 also, Lacking a superstar, lacking team cohesion, they have some things to be excited about with Emmanuel Mudiay, the draft pick, um, but coaching and cohesion, and you know, it puts them at the bottom of the barrel. Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, they have good players with with Wiggins um, and uh, and and Ricky Rubio. These are these are definitely guys that can build for the future, but. It, it was a shame when Flip Saunders passed away so suddenly. It was really terrible. Clearly, he was going to be the one coaching that team. Sam Mitchell has st- – that eh, – it's just a sad situation. They are really somebody that got stuck in a horrible situation when Flip passed away. And he was clearly building towards a, a goal and a vision. And I don't – they don't have to hit reset, but they need to reassess the situation after the captain of their boat uh, went down. Um, so Minnesota, I think, in some regards, it's it's sad, but it's going to be a lost season. They're twelve and twenty-eight, um, with the exception of the uh, Lakers and the Pelicans. They're at the bottom of the Western Conference, and they're going to probably stay that way for the rest of the season. Now, let's jump to some things that I think uh, we all like to care about. Let's look at the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Eastern Conference, well, um, there's a cup. There's all right. Let's be honest here. There's one good team. There's the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then there's everybody else. It's just just Calling it like I see it. There's a few teams in the mix, but it's the Cleveland Cavaliers and everybody else. Cleveland is 27-9. LeBron is LeBron. He's amazing to watch. Uh, they've had their flaws. Um, Kyrie Irving is just coming back. God bless him. Now he can be another dangerous piece to that team that can come back and, and create another punch because they were winning all these games even when Kyrie was still not back from injury. Kevin Love's game, I think, has uh, been, has been going very well there are a few there are some moments I think where he is still a matchup problem there are some moments in the fourth quarter where you still see him on the bench because they want to lean a little bit more on matchups um be it the Tristan Thompson or the uh Timothy Mozgov Mozgov has had some issues this season cohesively there had almost been some trade discussions regarding him um Schumpert and J.R. Smith, these guys are contributing the way you want them to. Della Vadova, I think, is creating a more meaningful role. And it's equating to wins. And you're still looking at this team with, it doesn't matter what their record is. doesn't matter what they do in the regular season. Just get into the playoffs, kill everybody in the Eastern Conference, and hope that your team is ready to um, deal with the Warriors or the Spurs. I really think that's all the Cavaliers are looking at. LeBron James is championship or bust. He doesn't care about everything else. He, he you know... It's a process for him, but if they squeak into the playoffs and they don't get to the finals, I think in his mind, this season's a failure. That's, that's how the, the Cavaliers are sitting and that's how they continue to sit. Now, the rest of their division is two things. The bulls, the Pacers, and the Pistons are all sort of locked in the middle of the division and the Milwaukee bucks have slipped to the bottom. Their bucks are 16 and 25. They've had some problems. Uh, MC dubs, Michael Carter Williams hasn't been playing that well this season. Um, Jason Kidd's magic coaching is starting to lose its luster. Um, Chris Middleton, I think, has been playing meaningful minutes. I've got to look more at that team. I don't know what's wrong with them. I don't know why they're losing. I don't know what the problem has been. Uh, The Bulls, who are 22 and 15, have been on a bit of a win streak, but they have been an up and down team this season. Joe Kim Noah going to the bench. Um, Fred Hoiberg coming in and making some, I think, some skeptical, some. S- 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 skeptical coaching decisions um, g- guys on the team starting to really sort of question his leadership as the new coach um, Derek Rose slowly showing the public that he 's never going to be the player he ever was again um, and he, uh, and he and Jimmy Butler in some little way sort of vying for leadership of the team i, I think I think Jimmy Butler wants to be the man now. Because he's kind of a better player than Derrick Rose is now. Derrick Rose, is just a shame. He's never really going to be the player he ever was again. Um, Paul Gasol is like the Lazarus man. He's like come back from the dead. Paul Gasol just comes back out on the court and he's still playing the way he was. Those last couple of seasons with the Lakers almost feel like they were doing him a disservice with the way they used him because he still got game. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of players to be excited about in this team. But there is a chemistry that you're missing with them. Uh, And I did watch, I think uh, NBA tonight, the other night with um, Chauncey Billups and Jalen Rose, they were mentioning how this Bulls team uh, during some of their losses, they were letting up 113 points a game and how much of a contrast that is from last season and previous seasons when Tom Thibodeau was coaching them and Tom Thibodeau was a defensive mastermind. This man was all about defense. If you didn't get back on defense, it was a serious problem. And the Bulls were a physical team. You had to fight for every single basket. So to see them giving up 113 points a game really gives you a sense of the shift that has happened with the new coach and how they're moving forward in that uh, sense. The Pacers are right behind them. They're 22-17. and 17. They're only one game behind the Bulls. Pacers are coming back. Last year was a lost season. When Paul George went down, Paul George is back playing fantastic basketball. Um, they still got it. They got rid of Roy Hibbert. They still have George Hill. Um, you know, this is a team that's exciting. Uh, they've got players around them, uh, that, you know, I think fairly fit in with their scheme. Frank Vogel's still a hell of a coach. Uh, LaVoy Allen's still on that team. I like LaVoy Allen. He's a, he's a Philly guy, a temple guy. Um, but the Pacers are still sort of mired in the middle, still stuck with everybody else. Um, Just like the Detroit Pistons. Now, the Pistons have been um, sludging through some awful seasons the last couple of years, but Stan Van Gundy, I think, has made some good moves and has really turned them around. Andre, he moved Greg Monroe to the Milwaukee Bucks. Andre Jummond is now the key post guy there. He's playing well there, it's working. Um, I think uh, Reggie Jackson, they brought Reggie Jackson in, and he's really been playing some fantastic basketball. So kudos to Stan Van Gundy. He's really, I think, taken that team from a dumpster fire and turned it back into a competitor this year, which is something to be said for um, Detroit. Uh, I think we we missed, ever since the Rashid Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace, Tayshaun Prince, Rip Hamilton era, we've missed uh, the tenacity of that Detroit blue-collar city really getting into it and that Pistons team. Uh, because they've been a little forgotten the last couple of years. Um, now, I want to leave my Atlantic division for the last, because I love my Atlantic division, even though they're terrible. Uh, let's focus on the Southeast. Right now, the Atlanta Hawks, I believe last year was their first, was it their first 60-win season? Did they win 60 games last year? They may have. They're at the top of the division, but they're, okay, Atlanta, Miami, I don't, and maybe Orlando. They're also sort of stuck in this sludgy middle ground with the Bulls and the Pacers and the Pistons. The Atlanta Hawks are 23 and 16. They've got Mike Budenholzer as the coach. He is a guy who pretty much comes from the the San Antonio Spurs coaching tree. He's got that Greg Popovich sort of approach to things. Defensive, move the ball around, three-point shooting, you know, nobody's the star. And the painful part is the team is good, but they function without a star. They've got your Alf Horford and your, Paul Millsap and your Kyle Corver, but these guys, you know, I think, uh, uh, not go bear, go isn't on the team. Um, Schroeder is on the team or Schroeder, depending on with the little blonde wisp in his hair. These are all guys that have been, uh, I think a revelation to the, to the Hawks and the, and the scheme. And, uh, at a time when I think that you weren't sure if it was going to pan out, this Hawks team has really found itself clicking. So now after last year's exciting sort of, uh, surprise to the NBA that they're competitive again. Now they're coming back and they're playing it again. They're doing it all over again. Um, I don't think their game is as a surprise as it was last year. So you're seeing them lose more. You're seeing more teams come in with a sense of how to play and how to deal with these guys because as as amazing as they were last year, they still, I think they got swept in four games by the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals. So they're dangerous enough to go to the finals, but still not dangerous enough to really go toe-to-toe for the Cavaliers. Um, Now that same division – you have the Miami Heat at 22 and 17. They've been playing some inspired basketball. Now that everybody's healthy, Bosh is healthy. He's back. He's playing fantastic. Dwayne Wade, year after year, they would talk about how over the hill this guy is. And Dwayne Wade, is he's not. He's still got it. It was almost in some way he had to get LeBron out of the city. He had to get him out of there. It's like the two of them came together. were like, hey, man, you're great. You're great. I love you, dude. This is cool. Let's go win a couple of championships. They won a couple of championships. And then they had a few really embarrassing moments, and I think maybe LeBron got a little miffed at the fact that Wade was just sitting out half the season and making LeBron shoulder all the burden. It's like, dude, I thought this was going to be a tag team here, man. You're just sitting over there sipping pina coladas and nursing your knee, and I'm sitting over here doing all the fucking work. And finally when he came back into the game, Wade had kind of lost a step, and What's crazy is that now LeBron's gone. Wade has sort of gotten his step back. He's looking amazing. He's looking fantastic. He's looking like he's five years younger. And the rest of the team is exciting. You've got guys around him. You've got Goran Dragic. You've got Luol Deng. You've got Josh McRoberts. You've got the Birdman. All these guys are still on the team. I don't think Birdman and Haslam are playing nearly as much as they used to be playing. But they're still on the team. This team is still dangerous but they're still mired in the middle with all of the other teams in the Eastern Conference. So it's hard to see them jumping out and, and separating themselves from the pack. Um, the, the other team to say that has um, also clawed themselves into the middle ground is the Orlando Magic. Um, there's been some excitement down at Orlando. They've, the last couple of seasons have been pretty forgettable. Uh, they fired Jacques Vaughn last year. Uh, they brought in... Who the hell's the... Oh, great. Who the hell is the coach? Who's the coach of the Orlando Magic? Who's the coach? I know that they've got uh, Tobias Harris and uh, uh, Victor Oladipo and Alfred Payton. Oh, Scott Skiles is the coach of the Magic. That would definitely give me a sense as to why they're playing better. Scott Skiles, I think, is a pretty pretty good coach he's also a hard ass this guy gets on his people if you're not playing well he's going to make you he's going to let you know it and he's going to make sure that you turn it around quickly or you're going to be on the bench um so this magic team is something to i got to look more into the magic team this is like the bucks i don't know or the jazz i don't really know what the hell's going on with that team right now i know that uh um tobias i know that oladipo and alfred payton are good players who are probably creating some noise down there i'd like to see um who probably Tobias Harris as well, but I'd like to see who else is really making noise in Orlando. Uh, then you have the Wizards and the Hornets. Now the Hornets actually, I think, had turned around. in the start of the season, they were looking pretty dangerous. Um, however, they were dealing with injuries. I think Michael Kidd Michael Gilchrist is missing the season, but I, or at least a chunk of the season. Uh, I don't know how much they've missed him. Kemba Walker, I think, has been somebody who's been struggling to fit with the team this year. Um, I don't really know who's sticking out with that team. I think Al Jefferson is is being... I think they're winning in spite of Jefferson. I've got to investigate a little bit more with this team. They're 18 and 20. They were hot earlier in the year, but they're cooling off right now, um, which could put them in the same question with the Wizards. The Wizards are 18 and 19, and they've, they've been struggling all season. I don't th- think that they um have been good at all they've been under 500 for most of the season um the coach randy whitman i think there's some skepticism regarding uh you know whether he's going to be the coach next year and how well a job he's been doing this is also a team that the last two seasons got into the second round of the playoffs with john wall and bradley beal these guys are amazing players and they've really started turning heads and last year even bringing in paul pierce really made a difference paul pierce you talk about a guy who is timeless. He's like Tim Duncan. He's a smart, cerebral basketball player who can come in and change a game, and it doesn't matter how old he is until he can't walk. The man, can, if he's 45 years old, those guys can come out of the court and be difference makers. It's like I was saying the other day on my football podcast about even if Calvin Johnson or Jeremy Macklin, even if these guys are not 100%, when they're out on the field, you have to consider them. You have to take in the fact that they're there and you have to consider what they could do even though they're not going to do anything. And uh, Bradley Beal, John Wall, those guys are good. Paul Pierce is a guy you put out there. He's going to be a difference maker no matter what he does. Even if he takes no shots and doesn't pass the ball at all, even if he's just out there, you got to be scared of what he could do. So the Wizards, it's been tough this year. Um, I'd like to see things turn around. I'd like to see them, uh, Gortat, and and Nay. I, I got to understand what's going on with the team. I don't know why they've had these problems. I think losing Pierce is part of it. Uh, and, um, you know, they've been regressing this year. So it's sad. After last year's exciting year where they made some noise, you'd hope that maybe they would start taking a step forward, start being in the discussion with um, the Miami Heat and the Atlanta Hawks and the Bulls. But uh, right now it doesn't look like the Wizards are there. Um, Finally, let's come to the last division with our Knicks and our Sixers and our Nets and our Celtics and our Raptors. So the Toronto Raptors are going to probably win the division again. Uh, the Raptors, um, for the first time ever, really, they are, they are the forefront team uh, in that division. Last, I think the last couple of seasons, they've been the, the, the front runner in that division. Um, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeMrosen, um, Valachunas, I believe, is on that team. Uh, They've got some some really great players. They lost Damari Carroll. They brought in this year who it stinks because he just got hurt. They're going to be missing him for about two months. Um, But Toronto, the last couple of years, they've been a great team that has managed to go in and sort of be exposed as a inexperienced, youthful team the last couple of seasons, both years. In the last two years, they, they hosted a playoff series. And both years, it was Paul Pierce sort of putting a dagger in their heart. Coming back to Paul Pierce, two years ago, first round, Raptors-Nets. Pierce was on the Nets, and he put a dagger in that Raptors' hearts, And they ended up beating him, I think, in seven games. Last year, round one, the Raptors are hosting the Washington Wizards. Pierce is on the Wizards. He puts a dagger in the heart of the Raptors again from the Wizards. Uh, and so the Raptors need to get over that first-round hump. They need to have Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, you know, kind of ascend to that next level of playoff uh, excitement because the last couple of years, I've watched a couple of those games, and when DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry really needed to be the superstars for their teams, they weren't. They were missing shots. They were having difficulty, and it's tough. It's tough to see it, but I'm going to give the Raptors credit. They're a good basketball team. Masai Ujiri, the GM, is running the team well. The excitement in Toronto is there i, I, I don 't want to count them out yet I think they 're a hell of a team, and I think they got nowhere to go but up The Boston Celtics for the last couple of seasons have clearly been rebuilding in their own way. They brought in Brad Stevens, who, as I think, being widely recognized as a fantastic coach, uh, who knows how to coach this younger team. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, who I think was a, a bit of a, an inspiration last year has has sort of become less of a positive thing this year for the Celtics. Uh, I think they're getting very excited about um, Jay Crowder is, is playing fantastic ball for them. I think they liked ha- like having David Lee in there and Evan Turner and uh, Avery Bradley. Like, they've got a team. They're 20-19. and 19. They're also sort of stuck in the middle with all these other teams like the Pacers and the Bulls and the Pistons. But I don't know if the Celtics have the same kind of teeth that those teams have. If you put the Celtics and the Bulls in a round one playoff series or the Celtics and the Pacers— In a round one playoff series, I don't think the Celtics are going to come out on top yet. I just don't think they have all the pieces. Um, Kelly Olinick, these are great young guys, and every year they take a step forward. Um, But I I don't know if that year is, I don't know if uh, if this year is that year. Now, here we go the New York Knickerbockers. uh, New York Knicks 20 and 21. the revelation this year, as we all know, has been Kristaps Porzingis, the guy that Melo was saying, "Ah, I don't want this guy." Nobody knew who the hell he was. Is he somebody that's going to stay in Europe and play for an extra year? Is, is he going to be ready right now? Does he need a few more? De- okay, we can all say Phil Jackson definitely had a clue what the hell he was doing because Kristaps has come in and he's been, oh my God, a breath of fresh air. He's good. He's seven feet tall. He can shoot the ball. He can play defense. He is—he's everything. He's the full package. Melo better shut the fuck up, get back in the corner, and start shooting threes again. You know what I'm saying? Because Melo should be like uh, – he should be buying Phil Jackson a drink if you're asking me because poor Zingas is making them good again. Melo is still trying to be Melo before his career goes completely down the toilet. Uh, he's been playing good ball, but it's, it's – uh, he's, he's still – are they going to get in the playoffs? You know, you've got to get this team to the playoffs. And, and how, long, how, much, how many more seasons does Melo have in the tank – where he can be a a true fellow superstar, to Chris Stapps on this Knicks team. Uh, so uh, I need I need to watch a little bit more of the Knicks. Need to see who else is uh, is really making noise on that Knicks team. I know they brought in a lot of guys. I think I was seeing a lot of uh, a lot of Derek Williams, um, Langston Galloway. Uh, you know these are these these are guys that you know you, you give give what's uh, give Phil Jackson some credit. He's he's putting a team in around. Um, Mello and and Porzingis to try to uh, you know really create some tenacity with that Knicks and also to create some excitement around the Knicks for the first time in a very long time. Uh, the Knicks have been pretty darn bad up and uh, with the exception of a, a couple seasons ago, and they um, you know now they're they're making noise again. Ah, here we go. That's right. They brought in Aaron Aflalo. They still have Jose Calderon. They got Robin Lopez. You know these are guys that. Are creating some something to feel optimistic about in New York. Uh, Something that makes you a little bit more excited when Mello is out there and Porzingis is out there. And even when Mello's sitting, Porzingis has sort of taken that spotlight in. And so far, it's hard to be under the New York spotlight. It's hard to be the star of the New York Knicks. It's a little different when you're the star of the Milwaukee Bucks or the Utah Jazz. You're the star of the Knicks. You are in New York. If they don't like you, they will let you know. If you have a bad game, they will let you know. And if you have a four point play to win a playoff series, they will let you know, and you will live on in lore. So the Knicks, it's a, I feel good to see them getting back in the mix. I feel good that they've got some superstars, that there's something to watch when you see them play. They're not God awful. Like they've been in the last couple of seasons. Um, So I feel, I feel really good about that. And I feel good for them. Um, Brooklyn Nets, it's been bad. They're 11-28. and 28. They are in the toilet. Season's over. They just fired their coach. Um, they just reassigned their general manager. I don't know what the hell reassigning a general manager means. I don't, I don't, what does that mean? I don't, How do, I'd like to get reassigned. Does that mean I still get paid, but I don't have to do my job? I don't know what that means. Um, Prokhorov, this, this Russian owner of the team, is saying now, Now is the time to win. Now I'm going to spend some money. Now we're really going to get on into it. And it's like, what the fuck were you doing the last five years? You had one of the highest goddamn payrolls. Billy King was making some terrible trades, bringing in bloated salaries. And now you got no draft picks. You got no players. And everybody who's on your team is playing terribly. Joe Johnson, I love the man, but he's playing terribly. And these guys are, Jarrett Jack was probably playing some of the best basketball on the team. And he's done for the year with a torn ACL. So Brooklyn has been a disaster they should uh, yes it's good that they should be rethinking their coach and their g m because whatever the hell those guys were doing the last time around was not good um, so brooklyn let's let 's just forget their season i don 't want to go too much into them. So it's, uh, we finally get to our Philadelphia 76ers. Thank you so much for the, the Sixers fans out there who are listening to this podcast because it took me the entire podcast to finally get to our Sixers. Like I said, I want to have a whole podcast simply about the Sixers. I want to get a few people in here to talk about them. But the Sixers, they're 4-36. and <sighs> They're bad. They've been bad for seasons. A um, couple of years ago, they blew the whole team up. They traded away every single conceivable asset they had. Uh, And they've been playing with a D-League team. They truly have. Um, Every player that they brought in had to have a season where he was out with injury. First it was Nerland's Noel. Um, Then it was uh, Joel Embiid. Uh, Now Joel Embiid is missing his second full season. Uh, Thankfully, Jaleel Okafor has actually been able to get on the court and play some meaningful minutes, although we're seeing he's young. He's a 19-year-old, and he's got some problems of his own. You know what I'm getting to, the off-field the, the off issues or the off-court issues, the, the fight that he got in with, which was put on a cam and put on TMZ, uh, the ticket he got where he was doing 108 miles an hour over the Ben Franklin Bridge. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? You're the star of the Sixers. But I forget, he's a 19-year-old kid. He's a child. He's a child. Have you ever met a 19-year-old? Try giving a 19-year-old millions of dollars and making them the centerpiece of a major basketball team. See how that goes. It's usually kind of interesting. So the Sixers have got some rough days ahead. Um, Not much to be speaking of for the team. However, the positivity that I want to highlight that has really come out within the last month or two has been the hiring of Jerry Colangelo, the longtime NBA executive. Uh, This guy is an OG, an original gangsta when it comes to the NBA. All right. He's been around the NBA for Decades, He's been involved with many teams. He's been involved with Team USA. If anybody knows how the hell to run a basketball franchise, Jerry Colangelo knows a thing or two. So with the whole Sam Hinkie, you know, alchemy-driven experiment of not spending money on players and cultivating draft picks and trading everybody away for future second round picks. Colangelo's at least in here to say, all right, goddammit, it. We need to bring in some people to at least make this a reputable team. So our fans aren't embarrassed anymore because I think when Josh Harris, the owner of this team really started to see the fan base revolting on him, which is what was happening. You started to see attendance drop. You started to see them be the laughing stock in the media. And you started to see the owners and the commissioner really look at the team saying, Hey, you're embarrassing us. You're making us all look like fools right now. You can't just tank. You're you're disgracing the integrity of the league at this point. And I think after a couple of years, Josh Harris is starting to say, you know what, I, I think they might be right. Let's bring in Jerry Colangelo. Right away, Colangelo traded two future second round picks, which are essentially the like, you know, they're like the 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 blue the chips that Sam Hinkie has just been accumulating in the last couple of years takes two future second-round picks, and he trades them to the Pelicans to get Ish Smith back, who was a point guard that the Sixers had last year and let walk out the door because he was, you know, he was an okay point guard. He's a backup, but, you know, we didn't really want to pay anybody or keep anybody, so we were just letting everybody walk away. He went and got Ish Smith because what was clear immediately when Colangelo walked in the door with the Sixers is that they had no point guard play. All the point guards were playing terribly. They, they weren't able to get the ball to these fantastic big men that they drafted. They drafted Noel and Okafor, and they couldn't even get them the friggin' ball. So they, as he finally went out and at least got a, a point guard who knows his ass from a hole in the ground, he came out here, and immediately the, game, the Sixers win three games. I think they, they're, you know, they, they didn't win three consecutive games, but they won three games after winning one game in the first 30 games. So it was a clear and apparent problem that the GM came in and said, Jesus Christ, just go get a fucking player who's decent enough to at least pass the ball to your big men. So it was, a, it was a step in the right direction. And I think you're already starting to see Colangelo put his stamp a bit on the team. The other big thing to note is that the Sixers brought in Elton Brand, former Sixer, was there at a time, he's kind of over the hill, he's a little bit older, he's at the twilight of his career, he was on the Hawks last year trying to win a championship, and I read a wonderful article by uh, Elton Brand that he posted himself on the internet discussing why he came back and signed with the Sixers recently, because he wants to be that veteran presence. It was made very clear to him by management, Sam Hinkie, Colangelo, Brett Brown, these guys said, we want you to come in and be the veteran presence, because what... What's being forgotten or, or, or sort of not considered a lot with this rebuilding is the fact that these young guys who are growing, these Jaleel Okafors, these Nerlens Noel, they're playing on a team with kids. There's no veterans on that team. There's no older guys who are 35 or 32, who have been in the NBA for six or seven years, who know what it's like to to, to play a back-to-back, who know what it's like to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, who know what it's like to to be deep in the playoffs and know what it means to take a clutch shot. You've got to learn from those guys. You know, it benefits Magic Johnson when he comes onto the Lakers as a rookie and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the team, and he can sit there and learn how Kareem does things. It benefits Kobe Bryant when he gets on the team and he sees Shaquille O'Neal and all these other players are already there doing things. He can learn from these veterans. He can see how they do things. I think Chauncey Billups told a really great story of... um, about that, uh, I can't remember the player, but he was playing on Minnesota and he really just learned a lot about what it meant to be a point guard from this guy. And the uh, I, I, name is escaping me, but I'll remember it later. Um, but there's no guys on this Sixer team that any of them can really look up to. There's nobody smacking Jaleel Okafor around saying, what the hell are you doing speeding over the bridge and getting caught on TMZ? There's no player saying, what the fuck are you doing, kid? The only, buddy, the only person there is Coach Brett Brown. And he's your coach. He's not one of your teammates. He's your coach. The coach is supposed to play the coach role. And he has been the father to these guys for a while. And he has been playing that role. But there's only so far he can go as the coach. You need a guy in there. You need a guy who's been around the block. You need a guy who's been an all star, like an Elton Brand, who can be like, listen, kid, this ain't going to fly. Listen, kid, this is not okay listen, kid, you keep doing this shit, they're going to bench you, they're going to trade you, and your career is going to be fast, gonna be over faster than you can fart in the wind. So I'm excited that Elton Brand's here. I'm excited Colangelo's here. I'm excited about the Sixers, just like I'm excited about the Knicks. It's great that the Knicks have Porzingis. It's great they've got something to feel optimistic about. So that's my rundown of the NBA. Took about an hour, a lot of teams to go through. That's what I know right now. Clearly there's some teams I know more about than others I'm going to digest a little bit more. I'm going to do some more research, take it in. Uh, so, like as always, want to hear some more feedback from you guys. Uh, if there's anything in particular you want to talk about or want, uh, a team you want me to focus on, I'm going to try to get some people on here in the podcast to you know sort of go back and forth with, get some good commentary. I like getting more people's thoughts on the matters. So, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. Take it easy. Bye-bye.